Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy. The title for today's message is called Good Fear. Good Fear. Last week we talked about, you know, the good wait. And one of the issues of waiting is that the longer we wait, we can get a little bit nervous. We can get a little bit scared. Whether the thing that we're praying for, will it come true or not? The job that we're believing for, will it come true or not? The healing that we're believing God for, you know, why God? I've been praying, I've been fasting for years, and He has still yet to come. And that waiting can cause us to be afraid. And I talked about how our heart cannot multitask. It's, it's either faith or fear. And God wants us to speak faith into every situation and to not be afraid. But I feel the need to also clarify on this one thing. However, the Word of God also says there is one fear that we should have. And there's only one fear that is allowed. And that's why today's message is not good fears, it's good fear. And that fear is none other than the fear of God. And so I know, just saying this topic, immediately a lot of your faces go like, oh, it's gonna, is it going to be one of those like repent, you know, turn or you will burn in hell kind of messages? No. You know, many times I feel that churches don't preach enough of the fear of God. You know, and there's nothing uh, evil about the fear of God. And I believe that there has been a lot of misunderstanding on the fear of God because of one word, fear. You see, fear takes from us. And how many of you here are afraid of heights? Come on. You're afraid of heights? Yeah, I see something. And so if you're afraid of heights, uh, that fear takes away from you. It takes away, um, I don't know, the joy of going on a roller coaster. And all those who love the roller coaster say, Amen. You see, oh, amen, amen. This is, yeah, this is my type of church. Uh, you know, or, or more like, okay, simple things like, you know, the, the fear of heights robs you of that enjoyment when you go on a glass elevator and it goes all the way up to the 42nd floor. You know, some of you here, you're blessed by God to have eaten at this fancy restaurant called Duck and Waffle. And one of the fun things is that the elevator ride gets to shoot you up from ground zero or, or, or ground floor to the 42nd floor. And a lot of you who are not afraid of heights or you're taking, you're raveling in opportunity, you're shooting videos, you're standing at the edge, you're lifting your hands as if it's a roller coaster. And those of you who are afraid of heights will stand in the middle of the lift Stand near the door just in case you get stuck, you're the first to escape. You know, stand near the button so in case of anything, you're the first to press the emergency. So that's, that's what I mean. You know, your fear robs you from enjoyment. Takes, takes, takes. You know, takes from you physically. Takes from you emotionally, right? And so even if the lift ride was successful because you have the fear of heights, so using heights as an example, you know, the whole journey, emotionally, your heart was beating so fast. Even though you were going for a good lunch or a good dinner to celebrate. You're going for a celebration, but the journey there, emotionally, you are wrecked. And so, you know, our fears, the, and these are the type of fears that the Bible says again and again, don't be afraid. Don't fear. Live a fearless life. These are the type of fear that, that Jesus is talking about. These are the type of fear that we shouldn't live under. Whether it's uh, fear heights or even simple things like no fear of dark. You know, sometimes I know we cannot help but be a little bit nervous of certain things. But these fears shouldn't rule our lives. You know what I'm saying? There's a difference between being a little bit nervous standing too close to the edge and sometimes it's just common sense, okay? So it doesn't mean that, oh, pastors say I shouldn't be afraid, you know? So you're, 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 you know, you're, you're jumping and, and doing, you know, all sorts of stunts around the city. No, sometimes it's just common sense, but we shouldn't let fear rob us and rule our lives. And, but that's the difference. You see, 
earthly fear, carnal fear, fleshly fear, take, take, take. No, the, the fear of flying takes joy out of traveling. The fear of heights takes joy out of places you can be. Uh, the fear of, I don't know, uh, missing out, for example, you know, uh, takes uh, uh, wisdom away from you and it causes you to maybe end up making the, the not so good decisions in your life. And so, no, no negative fear takes, takes, takes. But godly fear, the fear of God, gives. And, and, and just like how. Fear, carnal fear, robs us and takes from us from the physical, from the emotional, and even from the spiritual. The fear of God adds on to us physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And this is what I want to get us into today, to unpack the meaning of the fear of God. And so, you know, if you're taking down notes, the fear of God in Hebrew, if you're taking down notes, it's spelled... Y-I-R apostrophe A-T-H Y apostrophe H-O-V-A-H Basically, this is Yiddish or Hebrew for Yerach Yehovah. Yehovah means God. Uh, it's, a, it's a nicer, polite way of saying uh, Yahweh or Jehovah. Uh, but Yerath, Yerath means is where the English word draws the word wrath from. Yerath. It's, it's fear. What's that? Spell it again? Okay, okay. My wife says, please spell it again. Okay. So, Yerath, Y-I-R, apostrophe, A-T-H. Yerath, fear. Of course, Jehovah, you can spell it J-E-H-O-V-A or J-E-H-O-V-A-H or Y, apostrophe, H-O-V-A-H or you want to be really Hebrew, very holy, you can go Yahweh, Y-A-H-W-E-H. I feel like it's Sesame Street or something like that. Okay? Anyway, focus on Yerath. Yerath means this. To revere. So, the fear of God is not to be scared of God. Otherwise, you, all of you will start using it as an excuse to miss church. Oh, pastor hasn't been coming because, you know, you told us to have the fear of God. And so, I'm so afraid of God that I don't even dare go for service. That's why I've been worshipping at home. But, but I, I fear the Lord, you know. But that's not what it means. You know, fear is not negative. Fearing God means to revere, to respect, to have holy fear. You know, to, to go like, you know what? He's God. May I never forget that. You know, Jesus, He came in the form of man, but He's still God. You know, He was carpenter on earth. He's the lover of my soul. He's the friend of sinners. He is, he, but He is also the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is also the Alpha and Omega. So, so the fear of God is, is, is basically saying that, no, I, I love God, but I, I, I shouldn't forget to respect God. How many know that love and respect go hand in hand? You can't go like, I love you, but I don't respect you. Try telling that to your parents and then you will immediately, you know, wake up five days later from a coma uh, because you just got slapped so hard that, you know, you, you just passed out. Right? You, you, you can't go, you know, up to your girlfriend and go like, baby, I love you, but I don't respect you. Oh, that, that is not going to happen. You know, I can't say to my wife and go like, I, I love my wife, but I don't respect my wife. Similarly, I can't say I respect my wife, but I don't love her. So love and respect go hand in hand. I find that many times we focus so much on the love of God that we have unknowingly forgotten to respect God. And we've forgotten to honour Him. And so today, I want us to bring us back to that place of honour again. The other meaning for Yerath, besides uh, revere, deep respect and holy fear is filial fear. Filial means that fear that you give to family members. The fear of not wanting to disappoint. You know, and Asians were very good at this. 
We're born with this, right? We don't want to disappoint. It's not like we hate our family. We, our family's been so good to us, and because they've been so good, we want, to, we want to do justice to their sacrifice. Does it make sense? You know, a lot of us here, you are here because somebody paid the price. You know, your parents paid the price. They worked really hard to save you, you know, some money so that you can be here. And even if you're here on scholarship, it was your parents that enabled you to get that scholarship. They sent you for classes and extra classes and tuition and they sat down with you and taught you how to read and, and all these things that, that, that provided for your future now. And so because of that, we don't want to let their sacrifice be in vain. And that is the type of, you know, filial fear that is also represented in Yerath, the fear of God, which is, I don't want to offend God. I don't want to disappoint God. You know, in other words, I want to bring us back to that place again of loving God with all our heart, but also remembering that He is King. You know, and, and when was the last time, maybe this was a question I throw out to you, when was the last time you treated Jesus like King? We treat Him like our best friend, but... but Let's not forget that he's also king. When a king walks in, I guarantee you, if I, if I tell you, hey, church, surprise, uh, I, know I just got a letter from Buckingham Palace. And it's an example. Oh, you're like, oh, really, pastor? No, I just got a letter from Buckingham Palace and the queen wants to visit our service next week. So the queen will be here next week. I guarantee you, all of you here next week, you will be early. I guarantee you, all of you here next week, you will come dress up really well. All of you here, I guarantee you, you might even go shopping just for next week's service. Why? To honour who? Because there, was a, there will be a VIP coming. But let's not forget, the God we serve, Jesus who bled and died for us on the cross, He is also VIP. In fact, He is the most V of all VIPs. Wait, the most I of all... He is the most very... Well, He is very, you know, but it's the most important. Amen? And so, we got to come back to that place again or bring honour back into our worship for God. Amen? Bring honour back into our giving. Bring honour back into our serving. Let's not forget that it is a privilege, not a burden to serve the Lord. And this is a fear that we ought to have. And God gave me another way to look at this. You know, He says that if, if loving me raises the ceiling of your pursuit of God, and loving God does do that, Right? Why do we have, you know, today uh, we have an amazing spread. So please, if you're new here today, uh, please don't rush off after the service. We'd love to get to know you a little bit better with some hospitality. And the team went all out, you know, to make mini pancakes and stack them up. And all the scones there were, uh, were hand-baked and hand-made. And, and, and everything there is, 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 you know, out of love. Out of people who are serving because they want to love God and love people. So love causes us to constantly lift the ceiling. Love causes us to push the envelope. When you love someone, you want to do more and more and more, yes? You know, you want to go more extravagant and extravagant because you love and love and love. And so, why does the worship team practice so hard? Because they love God. You know, why are they thinking of new ways to improve, new songs to sing? Because they love God. You know, why are the ushers, you know, coming up with new, different things? And, and, and even right now, one of the ushers have so generously uh, offered, you know, to church for, to use his new iPad that is so pro so you know which model I'm talking about. Out of love. But the fear of God, if the love for God raises the ceiling, then the fear of God raises the basement. 
Does, does it make sense? You know? So when the basement is raised, it means that you can't go back anymore. And so the fear of God, the, the thinking should be this, you know what? I, I, I love you, God, and, and because I honour you, God, I can't go back to who I was anymore. You know? The fear of God is like a checkpoint of a marathon, like a checkpoint. Or if you're playing games, like a, it's, it's like a save. You know, before that was invented, you know, if you, if you fail a certain level, you have to go back to level one. But when this program called Save was invented, or even your, 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 all your, your, your homework, you know, on Microsoft Word or whatnot, you know, thank God for Save. Thank God for auto-save. You know, back then, there was, there was no auto-save. And then my friend, you know, uh, was typing the whole night and then when the computer uh, battery died, she had to start from scratch again. Those were the good old days of MS-DOS and, and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but now, everything is safe, auto-save. And so, that becomes a checkpoint that you don't go back. You know, so even if you drop, even if you fail, you don't fail too low. So the fear of God makes us go like, you know what, God, I want to pursue you more. And I know I will fear, I will fail. But because I fear you, because I revere, because I honor you, I know that I'm I, I also constantly raising the basement so that even if I do fall, I don't fall too far down. If, don't worry if you don't understand. I will explain it and it will all make sense. Three points I want to give to you today. If normal fear takes and takes and takes, the fear of God gives, gives, and gives. And these are three things that I hope the fear of God will give to you today. Point number one, context. Point number two, courage to confront. And point number three, comfort. See, the fear of God doesn't take. The fear of God, if you really get into honouring God, if you really get into a heart, an attitude that says that, God, I want to live for you and I don't want to disappoint you. I know you're, you're a good God. That's why I want to live my best for you. You know, you will be able to get a lot of contacts. You'll be able to get a lot of courage to confront some of the fears in your life and you will also gain a lot of comfort and assurance. A lot of comfort and assurance. Amen. Point number one, contacts. Contacts means the big picture. No, many times we go through life and because we don't have the proper context, we suffer. So, for example, you know, uh, uh, someone has said before, uh, I read this online, uh, someone said, that, oh no, you know, okay, I, I mean, I'm just going to use this as an example, so I'm not trying to be political. And uh, this person said, oh no, uh, right now, America is the worst it has ever been. And then somebody says that, sure, maybe it's not as nice as you think it is, but it, come on, give yourself some context. You know, worse than it's ever been, worse than civil war, worse than segregation. You know, sometimes we hear uh, politicians on the newspaper say that, you know, the UK is the most divided right now because of Brexit. It's easy to say, but if you give it proper context, you're most divided. Uh, this country's gone through a lot of wars. You know, worst time for the UK? Uh, have you forgotten World War II when London was actually being bombed? Uh, so this is just, you know, come on. If you have some context, you'll realise that A, it is not as bad as it seems. And B, you begin to appreciate what you currently have. And so context is so important. So the fear of God will give us context, first of all, to the nature of God. And so secondly, to His words and His promises. And so I want us to turn to our first scripture of the day, Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. This is Jesus' teaching 
on the fear of God. Jesus taught a lot on different things. And so we want to learn from the best authority on the fear of God, God Himself, Jesus, who gave us this very short but straightforward, you know, response to uh, the fear of God. And Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, if you're there, can you hear a good amen? Amen. It says here, and thanks for flashing it up, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Let me give you some context for this teaching. Jesus was trying to say, look, you know, don't be afraid. And if you're going to be afraid, if you're going to give space for fear, let that space only be filled with the fear of God. Because I can tell you, you know, this, this God you serve, He is not weak, He is powerful. And even though Jesus was talking about destruction, He was using it as a way to educate people of how powerful God is. Because this message was being preached out during the Roman occupation. And, and the Jewish people at that time were so afraid of living out their faith. They were so afraid of persecution from the Roman soldiers. You're so be afraid that they too will be crucified. That's why Jesus says, why are you afraid? Don't be afraid of those, aka the haters, aka possibly Roman Empire or other enemies of the faith, who can, the worst they can do is kill the body but not kill the soul. If you're going to be afraid, rather be afraid of God who can kill body and soul and in hell. Let's expand this a little bit to give you some context. You know, God, you know, Jesus is trying to tell us that, look, the heavenly Father you serve, He's powerful. Because, you know, it's easy to kill the body. It's difficult to kill the soul. But your God can do both. And it's easy to conquer and have rule and reign in your empire. How many know that God doesn't live in hell? It's, it's, it's not saying that, oh, okay, well, God is in hell. No, it says here, but he who is able to destroy both soul and body, and it means that, don't you know that your God has dominion in more areas than you realize? That he is not just king of heaven, he is king of all creation. He has authority to order things around, not just in heaven, not just on earth, but under the earth. So don't forget the big picture, the context of the God you serve. He is a God that's mightier than the Roman Empire. He's a God that's mightier than earth. He's a God that's mightier, you know, so much more. And so this is the, the, the thing. When you begin to go like, you know what? I need to be a fair God because He is King. He is Alpha. He is Omega. And when I begin to understand that th this is who He is and He has rule and reign in every area, even areas that you don't necessarily associate God with. Just like how you don't associate God with hell, He has authority there. What other things in your life do you think that God doesn't have authority in? Sometimes you think, oh no, no, God is good, but I don't think God, you have authority in my studies. Ooh, ouch. God, God, uh, you're good, you know, but, but I don't think you have authority in, you know, my parents are so difficult, I don't think you have authority. You know, God has authority over everything, over every situation, over every application, over every interview. Sometimes you go in for an interview, you feel like, I don't think God is here. No, no, God is there more than you realize. And the context is this, and to get proper appreciation, all you need to do, if you have your physical Bible, this will really help, because one verse away, verse 29, actually says this. This is what we talked about a few weeks ago. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent, and yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear, you are more valuable than many sparrows. 
What is Jesus trying to give us a picture here? Don't be afraid of all these people that are, you know, barking threats at you. Our God is mighty. If you want to talk about destroying, our God can destroy much in bigger capacity than those who boast of destroying stuff. And our God also cares in a much bigger capacity. So when you begin to have the right fear, right honour of God, you begin to realise that, you know what? This person that I'm praying to, this person that I sing to every Sunday, he is much more bigger. And once you begin to have the right context for God, you will have the right context for life. After a while, when you pray in Jesus' name, it's not just Jesus' name. You know, sometimes, you know, we, 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 we feel that, oh, that's it. Especially sometimes new believers, we teach them how to pray. Oh, pray in Jesus' name, that, that, that's it. I don't need to do a sign. I don't need to burn stuff because they come from other faiths before that. You know what? Well, to ask something from God, I got to kill something, you know. I got to sacrifice something. What, what do you mean by I can just ask in Jesus' name? Sometimes you forget the context of the name of Jesus. But when you begin to fear God, begin to have a life that fears and honours and reveres God again, you realise that the name of Jesus is more powerful. The name of Jesus, there's healing in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's freedom in the name of Jesus. There's provision in the name of Jesus. There is breakthrough in the name of Jesus. There, there is protection in the name of Jesus. Amen? And so when you begin to go like, God, I fear you. I don't just love you. I want to live a life that honours you. I want to live a life that doesn't want to disappoint you. And when, I, when, when you live a life that, when you don't want to disappoint God, you, you won't disappoint anyone else. You know what I'm saying? And so when you begin to do that, you begin to have the right context to the name of Jesus, the right context to the God you serve, but also the right context to every promise in the Bible. Sometimes it's so easy to read the Bible and go, oh, just some saying, just some old guy in the Middle East who wrote all this down. His name was Moses or something. But no, it's so much more. Every word, every promise is not just someone writing some stuff on stone. It is a promise. It is, it is dictation on the living word of God. The God who spoke all of creation into existence in one statement, let there be light. And then the big bang happened. And so we got to come back to the place again of saying that, wow, God, this gives me context. I am more blessed than I realize. I am more surrounded by your love than I realize. I am not alone. You know, I, I'm more uh, blessed. I'm more provided for. Amen? Context. And I pray that this will give us the right context to live for Jesus and to claim His promises and give us confidence. Because once you have the right context, you will have confidence to pray, confidence to believe. Amen? Point number two. When you... <coughs> excuse me. When you begin to have the fear of God in your life, you will also begin to have courage to confront. Do you know one of the best ways to overcome your fear? And I learned this from personal experience. is just to be afraid of something else. Something that's bigger. Let me give you this example. So I used to be afraid of speaking in public. I was so afraid of speaking in public. And, uh, and I was afraid of speaking in public, and I was nervous. People say, you're, you're, oh, you're, you're, you're good at it, you should do it more. I'd be like, oh, I'm not sure. And I was afraid of it until I became afraid of something bigger than speaking in public. Preaching. And after that, I go like, oh, speaking in public is easy. You can go up there, you can tell jokes, you give instructions, 
I mean, chairing is like, you know, you're just there, no giving announcements. I'm just joking, you know. <laughs> chairing is good. You know, it's a training for preaching. So all, all the chairpersons get ready, you'll be preaching one day. And so, you know, you'll be, you know, and, and, but that's what it means. I, I became like, oh, I used to think speaking in public was scary. Preaching is scarier. And so now if you say, Dave, you're up to, up, up to, up to, up to chair. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Sure, I can do that. Dave, you're preaching this week. <gasps> and preaching was scary until, you know, and you know why preaching is scary? Because you know, I was afraid. I, I wanted to come across as spiritual. I wanted to come across as intellectual. I wanted to come across as witty, you know, and all these kind of things. Oh, would I be able to impress people? Until I became afraid of something bigger. No, preaching is not about impressing people. It's about impressing God. Oh, shucks. And once I was more concerned, that's another word for fear, concern. Concern of pleasing God, I stopped being afraid of preaching. Because it doesn't matter whether people are falling asleep. It doesn't matter if nobody responds. It doesn't matter all these kind of things as long as I have God's Word for the season. And then, after a while, oh, I, I, think, I think I can preach. Until I became afraid of something bigger called consistency. Because God is saying that you're, you're thinking that the issue here is content. And so you want to please me to get the right content, the right message for that day. But do you know that people look at you as a leader, as a Christian, more than just Sunday? And you can preach a storm of a message on Sunday, but if they see your pastor on a Monday living a fearful life, living an inconsistent life, you know, that message would just crumble. And not only would that message crumble, uh, all the hard work of the worship team would crumble. All the hard work of the hospitality team would crumble. All the hard work of people inviting their friends to church would crumble. And so you begin to go like, oh man, you know what I'm more afraid of? Not so much the content, not so much the message, but I'm more concerned with living a consistent life for Jesus. And if I can nail consistency, I can nail content. If I can nail content, I can nail preaching. If I can nail preaching, I can nail speaking in public. Do you understand? You know, you always set the bar higher. And, and, and this is something that your, your pastor strives to live out, especially when over here, you know, it's majority me preaching and every other week or almost every week I'm preaching and every week I'm preaching something new, some fresh revelation, fresh bread. That means that it, this, is, this is not something that you just pluck up. This is something that comes out of a consistent living. Amen? You know, Pastor Cat used to be morbidly afraid of flying. And so she'd be like, oh, I don't like to fly. And it used to be so bad that days before her trip, she would actually have sleepless nights. Not on the day before, but days before, she'll get sick in the stomach. Because you know why? Fear takes. So how do you confront that fear? By being afraid of something bigger. So eventually, she, she does this. You know what? Nothing's going to happen to my flight. Because it used to be you know, very scared. So she starts confronting the fear. You know what? Nothing's going to happen to my flight. Because you know why? I'm serving God. Whoa. I'm more concerned with serving God. As long as I'm serving God, he will not allow anything to happen. And that's why sometimes I joke with Pastor Cat, do you know the safest flight to be in? Which one? Which one? Thinking which airline she's talking about, you know? And I say that, do you know which airline is the safest to fly? Oh, which one? Which one? The airline I'm flying on. Oh! Because <laughs> I'm serving God. Because I'm afraid of God. 
You know, that's why you heard before some of you, were, I'm not sure whether you were here for my Botswana message on how, you know, ask me after service, but my, the plane I was on literally almost crashed. And that split second before it hit the floor, you know what took over me? Not the fear of dying, but the fear of God who goes like, it ain't over till I say it's over. <laughs> You're not going out that easy. Nope. Okay, God. And then it lands by a miracle. Everybody applauds and I go like, okay, God, what do you need me to do right now? So you see, how do you overcome fear? By being afraid of God. This is what God is saying. Things in life is scary. There will be things that freak you out. But if you, if you are more concerned about me, you won't be affected by all these other things. You know, those of you who are working, right? What was your biggest fear when you were studying? Grades. Now that you're working, what are you afraid of? Grades? No, not anymore. You're afraid of career progression. You're afraid of your boss. You're afraid of savings. You're afraid of investment. You're afraid of that, that this, this job is leading you nowhere. You know what I'm saying? So the, the, you, our fear is always going to be taken over by a bigger fear. In the natural, it's like that. You never stop being afraid. When you were young, you're afraid. You never, you, you can't go into the right university. When you're in the right university, you're afraid you can't get into the right job. When you're in the right job, you're afraid you're in the wrong job. When you're in the right job, you're afraid that you'll be alone. When you're with someone, you're afraid that this might not be the one. And then when you're married, you're afraid that you might not have children. And then when you have children, you're afraid that your children might not turn out smart. And when your children turn out smart, you realize that they might be alone. You know what I'm saying? And then when your children turn out smart, you're afraid that you don't have enough money to send them to give them a good education. And then when they have a good education, you're afraid they cannot get a job. And then before you know it, you're afraid that, you know, one more child comes and then how do you provide when you're entering retirement? And then when you're retired thinking that, hey, the best life is right now, you start being afraid that you could have too high cholesterol, too high blood pressure, too high this, not enough. You know what I'm saying? Fear will never stop coming. So what's the solution? Give in to the biggest fear. The fear of God. So when you fear God, you're not afraid of anything else. Oh God, I, I'm only concerned about you, your kingdom. You know, I'm not afraid of failing. I'm afraid of failing you. A lot of people ask me, Pastor, what, is, what are some of the fears in your life? I said, I'm actually afraid of success. Specifically, succeeding in things that don't matter to God. Because you can succeed in life. And the Bible says you can gain the whole world and forfeit your soul. You can succeed in life and miss out on the plans of God. I'd rather be normal in the eyes of the world, but be someone in the eyes of God. But when I begin to focus on the God and pleasing Him and honouring Him and raising the bar for Him, everything else benefits. When I begin to fear God, you know that I will honour my parents. Because you can't go like, oh, I only fear God and I don't fear my parents. It doesn't, doesn't work that way. If you can fear God who you can't see, you're going to honour the parents that you can see. So girls, if you want to get a good guy, find someone who fears God. Amen? So give in to your fear. Be focused on saying that, God, I want to live for you. Let me never forget. Yes, I'm here worshipping, but Lord, you are also the King of Kings. Let me never forget that, that the freedom that I enjoy came with a price. The price was Jesus dying on the cross for me. You know, there was blood involved. There was sacrifice involved. I don't ever want to let this sacrifice be in vain. And that's why I want to live a more victorious life. You know, how do you overcome some of these fears? By, by telling yourself that you, you're built. God has set you free. So why are you still afraid? For example, you could be stuck in a problem, in, in addiction, for example. 
And then you're thinking to yourself, oh no, I, I want to serve God, but I keep falling back and doing the things I'm not supposed to do. But then you begin to realize, you know what? Why, why am I still stuck when God has set me free? You know, why, why am I still living like this when God has set me free? God has created me to live a life that is free from addiction, so I'm going to say no to addiction because I can say no because God has made the way to say no. What we don't understand is that God has set us free, but that freedom is like unlocking the prison door. We still need to walk out of our jail cell. The problem with us is that we are institutionalized by our sinful prison. And, and even though the door has been flung open by Jesus, we're still squatting in that jail cell called depression. We're still squatting in that jail cell called, you know, addiction. We're still squatting there, not realizing that actually it's free. You can walk out. God has made you. But when you begin to focus, you know what? God has made me free. You know, uh, uh, my God, again, context. Why am I focusing on Matthew chapter 10, verse 28? Because it's Jesus' only teaching on the fear of God. And what Jesus only spends one verse on, you want to unpack it because it's, it's more than you realize. Because if you realize the God I serve is strong enough to destroy body and soul, His empire is wide enough to encompass, you know, heaven, earth, and under the earth, how can I not believe that He can provide for me? How can I doubt that He can heal me? How can He? You know, nothing is impossible for Him. And then you begin to confront your fears because you fear God more. No, how can I shortchange God when He set me free? One of my biggest fears, and this is an example of fearing God, one of my biggest fears, and, and I'm not very good at technology, and my, my wife is very good, she likes to bless me with nice stuff, and I'm always figuring stuff out. So true story, uh, um, a couple of years ago, you know, now phones, they have a built-in torchlight, uh, but I only discovered that like two years ago, that the phone can be used for a torchlight as well. And I'm like, whoa! You mean you can slide up and then all the students are like, oh, pastor, this technology is wasted on you. <laughs> what do you use this phone for? Make, make calls? And I'm afraid that when I see God face to face, that's what's going to happen. But we will not be talking about the phone. Because how many know that you don't need phones in heaven? We'll be talking about your life. <laughs> and I'm afraid. This is, my, this is my fear of God. I'm afraid that when I see God face to face, He's there going like, Dave, do you know that I actually gave you anointing to heal? <gasps> but but, but I, I never. Dave, do you know that in you, you made it to heaven. Great, congratulations. But in you, there were three churches unplanted. You know, sometimes I see God look at this like seeds. You know, every fruit has a seed. And inside every fruit is a potential for a forest, for a tree. And so I don't want to go up to heaven and God says that, Dave, there were three seeds in your life, three more churches yet to be planted, and you didn't realize that because you were too afraid of what other people are saying. You were too afraid of your own lack of experience instead of, real, instead of fearing me and this conversation. And that's why I have this conversation with myself now so that hopefully when I see God face to face, we will not be having this conversation. So every day, I'm God, God, teach me. You know, you are, you are bigger than I realize. God, how else can I live to please you? How else can I honor you? How, el how else can I, can I make you proud? Because I love you and I respect you. You are king. If the world, when the, if the queen walks in, everybody dresses up, I want to dress up for you. If the queen walks in, everybody bows their head, I want to bow to you in every area of my life. Amen? 
Point number three is this, comfort. Comfort. I want to leave with some healing for all of you. And, um, you know, the fear of God not only gives us the right context to pray, to believe, to change our life, to confront our fears, but the fear of God, when you really give in to focusing on fearing Him, respecting Him, honouring Him, it will give you a lot of comfort and assurance in areas that otherwise you will be afraid of. So let's go through some scriptures. Can we do that? So quite a list of scriptures. So thank you, XTV, for helping out. So let's start with Psalm chapter 33, verse 18 to 19. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him, on those who hope in His mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. There's so much to unpack here, so much context. First of all, the eye of the Lord is on those, not on those who pray, not on those who give, not on those who serve, not on those who are found in church, on those who fear Him. Sometimes you wonder, have we prayed that before? God, are you seeing this? God, don't you see the pain I'm going through? God, don't you see the lack I'm going through? If you focus on fearing God, His eyes are on you. And not only that, He says this, and those who hope in His mercy, He will deliver their soul from death. Which means that God will not make you a victim of your circumstances. You can feel like death surrounding you, but you will not be a victim to it because He will save your soul. And not just that, He will keep them alive in famine. One of our biggest fears is that we are not at the right place at the right time. And famine is definitely the wrong place at the wrong time. And, and interpreting that to modern day, sometimes, have you been there before? Some of us who are working, young adults, have you ever wondered whether this company is the right company for you? Those of you who are studying, have you ever wondered whether this university you're in is the right university for you? And sometimes we get engrossed with ranking. And you're thinking to yourself, oh no, you know, uh, when I joined this university, and we always say this, you know, when I joined this university, the ranking was so high. But when, you no, know, after I graduated, no, don't worry, that year the ranking dropped. Huh, I wonder why. Well, it was high before you joined, after you, anyway, so. And so we, we can be so engrossed, oh God, you know, what if when I go out to apply for jobs, people will look at my university, they will, they will Google it, and the ranking won't be high. What if, what if, what if? God, what if I'm at the wrong job? What if this company goes bankrupt? What if this company doesn't have a future? And God is saying that the, the, the world around you could very well crumble and fall, aka famine. But you will be alive. Isn't that more powerful? So God is saying that it doesn't matter. If you fear me, it doesn't matter which university you go to. If you fear me, it doesn't matter if you go to university or not. If you fear me, it can be famine around you, but you will be alive. You can, you can apply for jobs and, and, and five other people from your university, from your program could have been rejected for the job but you get it. Why? Because when you fear God, God will allow you not to be a victim of the famine and people will go, wow, you're so different. We interview five other candidates from your university, from your course, from your year but how come you're so different? It's the fear of God. The fear of God that gives us favour. The fear of God that gives us protection the very thing that we're afraid of, afraid of missing out. God says that if you're afraid of me, I will cause you never to miss out. And even if you, by mistake, happen to be in the wrong place, wrong time, you won't be a victim of that circumstance. Let's turn to Psalm chapter 34, verse 7. Psalm 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him and delivers them. Wow, have you been 
in a meeting before and some really zealous, usually people who pray like this are older in age or more mature in age. And they usually say, no, like, oh, hallelujah, God, I pray for your angels to surround my son, you know, protect. They're coming in and they're going out. Wow, angel this, angel that. Do you know that if you fear God, you don't need to pray for angels? If you fear God, God will instruct His heavenly host to not just surround you, but encamp around you. Encamp is a powerful word. It means that when you stop, they stop. When you go, they go. Angels will camp around you. Can you imagine you're walking and there's heavenly hosts around you. You stop to tie your shoelace, they also have to stop. <laughs> They're not walking, continue walking, you know? Because you go like, oh, you know. No, yeah. If you stop for donuts, they, they have to wait outside the donut shop or wait around the donut shop because angels will encamp you. This is a promise for who? People who fast? Sometimes you go, oh, you know, you hear all those, you know, God bless those auntie uncles. Oh no, I fasted. For 50 days, then I saw a heavenly being. God is saying, you don't have to see heavenly beings. You just need to fear me. And heavenly beings will be around you. Encamp around you. In your studies, encamp around you. In your family, encamp around you. As you travel, as you drive in and out, encamp around you. Encamp around your finances, encamp around your health. Encamp around your future. Amen? Let's go. Psalm 103 verse 11. Psalm 103 verse 11. Is it giving you some comfort? I hope it is. As the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His mercy towards those who fear Him. You see, many times we, we are fallen beings. We can't help but make mistakes. But God is saying that, you know, yeah, you make mistakes, but sometimes being a Christian, if we don't have the fear of God, we can become bratty Christians. We can take God's grace and God's forgiveness for granted. Have you been there before? You know, those of you from a family and uh, maybe you're the oldest sibling and you look, look at your youngest sibling and then you always go like, tut, tut, you are so spoiled. You know, your parents love you and then you take everything for granted. Oh, you, you need to appreciate it more. And then sometimes they intentionally do something that's wrong. Why? doesn't matter. Mommy and daddy will build them out. And if that is not addressed, they carry on to become irresponsible adults. And that's why some, some of uh, uh, people I know in life, they can be very rich. Mom and dad are millionaires. And they just go from one failed business to another failed business to another failed business. Why? Because mom and dad are always there to pick up their slack. But that's not right when it comes to God. Will we fall? Yes, we will. But sometimes we, we wonder this. God, this is not the first time I've made these mistakes. Ha will you forgive me? You know, are you really that kind? And where do we get our confidence from? from the Word of God, from where? From a heart that fears God. Because if you fear God, you know, we, we can't help but make mistakes. But if your underlying motivation in life is to honour God, is to constantly raise not just the ceiling but the basement as well for God, then God will ensure that when we need it, His mercies will be high above that, that much. You know, God, God is saying, as far as the heavens, and the heavens are basically the sky. So I don't know what atmosphere, stratosphere, ionsphere, but all that to the point of earth. That's how much God's mercy is for you in the moment of crisis, in the moment of weakness. You know, this is exemplified uh, by the incident uh, when Jesus was crucified. And uh, Robert, can you help me flash up that scripture from Luke chapter 23, verse 40? We all know this. Jesus was crucified on the cross. And there were two criminals next to him. 
one of them was making fun of Jesus. They go, ah, Jesus, if you're really who you say you are, come on, get out of there. And then the other one rebuked. Point number one, these are both fallen people. If they didn't fail, they wouldn't be there hanging on the cross next to Jesus. They committed crimes. I don't know what crimes, but crimes enough to be crucified. Serious crimes. But even in the moment of failure, that person said, do you not even fear God? seeing as you are under the same condemnation. And then this person proceeded, if you read on, to say that, Jesus, please remember me when you enter your kingdom. And then Jesus, right there and then, on the cross, says that today you will be with me in paradise. You see, even in your failures, but if you have the fear of God in you, the fear of God is saying that, God, I'm repentant. God, I know I failed, but God, I really hate this because I, I don't want to disappoint you. There's a difference between failing and going like, oh God, your, your grace is new every morning, so tomorrow you'll forgive me again. And, and going like, God, I feel you, I so, feel so bad for failing you. God, please forgive me, I made such a big mess. And God has more love for the person who is groveling than the person who is celebrating and reviling in sin. And God is saying that if you fear me, you never have to worry that, your, that my mercy for you will run out. Amen? Let's go on for some more comfort. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26 to 27. Proverbs 14, 26-27, In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, and His children will have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. This is a throwback to the other point where I talk about how when you fear God, you will be able to confront because you're afraid of something bigger. Man, I'm not afraid of you exams. I'm more afraid of, of, of disappointing God and not having faith in my exams. So exams, in the name of Jesus, I will pass you. And, amen? And so, but not just that. And His children will have a place of refuge. You see, again, when God looks at you, He's eternal. He's not restricted by time and space. So when He looks at you, He doesn't just see you, He sees your family tree. He sees your entire lineage. He sees your future. You don't see your children, but God sees your children. And God is saying that if you fear me, you never, ever, ever have to be afraid that you will not be able to provide. Because if you fear me, your children will have a place of refuge. Your children will have a roof over their heads. Your children will be safe. Your children will be protected. What do you do? Fear me. Focus on me. Focus on honouring me. Because like I said, you know, when you, I guarantee you, this is not a prophecy, this is just a matter of fact. When you have your first child, you will be very nervous. But what do you do with all that nervousness? Oh no. You know, he hasn't, you know, he's not talking as much as the other kids. Is there something wrong? Oh no, he hasn't walked yet. Is there something wrong? Oh. No, no, fear the Lord. And he will guarantee you a future for your children more than your finances can guarantee. Amen? Isn't that comfort? Isn't that reassurance? This is better than any life insurance policy, man. This is the fear of God. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 27. Two more and then we'll wrap up today's service. Proverbs 10, 27. The fear of the Lord prolongs days. Oh, hallelujah, my favorite. But the years of the wicked will be shortened. Amen. Doesn't matter if the wicked are enjoying life right now, they will have a short life. But the, but the years of those who love the Lord will be prolonged. So can I speak to you? Ladies, the secret for prolonged life is not in, I don't know, Korean sea slug facial masks. It's not in the bald placenta of baby goats that you drink down. You know what I'm saying? All that nasty stuff that people guarantee you is not on cactus juice or, or, or whatnot. You know, the, the, the real longevity, real health, you know, life without eyeshadow, or no, uh, eye bag, sorry, not eyeshadow. Eyeshadow, if you think, hey, if you like smoky eyes, go for it. You know, it's in the fear of the Lord. 
when you fear God, your life will be prolonged. And no, no wonder Billy Graham lived until almost 100 because he feared the Lord. Why do you think, you know, that, you know, we're talking about the Queen, the Queen, the Queen, the, the Queen Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth II is still alive and well, sharp. Some of you might not know this, but, you know, the Queen is a believer. She's a Christian. She's on fire. You know, every time her Christmas speech, she's like preaching the gospel to the entire nation again. She's a powerful lady. In fact, one of my friends who served as a pastor one time was invited to a pastor's conference and met the Queen's chaplain. And this, past, this Anglican priest was asking my friend, oh, so which church do you come from? So, oh, we come from a, a charismatic church. It's, oh, we believe in the Holy Spirit. Oh, so, so you speak in tongues? You know, thinking that, oh, controversy, you know, Anglican priest asked me to speak in tongues. Yeah, yeah, I speak in tongues. Oh, good, good, good. So does the Queen. And then, and then my friend just went like, what? <laughs> the queen speaks in tongues? Yeah. The queen speaks in tongues. The queen's a born-again believer. You know, the queen is good friends with Billy Graham. Don't believe me? Go to Netflix, watch The Crown Season 2. <laughs> because if I told you to read history books, you won't. But thank God. No, I, I, I'm, I'm really thankful. You know, that for a circular production, they still managed to keep that friendship alive. You know, that wow, the queen had a, a strong personal friendship. You know, the, the, the true story, I know we're deviating, but the Queen, in the past, when she would fly to America, she will meet all the dignitaries, but she will also make time one night for one dinner with Billy Graham and the wife in their house. And Billy Graham was invited to Buckingham Palace many times to, to, to have tea with the Queen and to even preach in the Queen's church. No wonder she is sharp, witty, because she fears a lot. Because it's the fear of the Lord that prolongs her life. Amen? Long live the queen. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1 to 7. Just had to do that because, you know, such a British thing to do. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1 to 7. And we'll close this again. Again, this conceptualizes everything. We talk about context. And so, we talk about courage to confront fear. And we talked about comfort. You see, Solomon the greatest and wisest king that ever ruled, wrote Proverbs. And when he was crowned, he was young. And he was nervous taking over his father's empire because King David was a fighter. Solomon wasn't a fighter. And King David had ensured that, you know, if he could kill all enemies that could bring a threat to the nation of Israel, he would have done it. But no, he wanted peace and, and, and prosperity for Solomon's reign. Solomon was God's chosen successor to King David and Solomon asked one thing. He was afraid. He was nervous about taking over such big shoes. And so he spent many time, many nights praying to God and eventually when God appeared to him and gave him that magical, wonderful thing that we all wish and we ask ourselves, if God asks us a question like, Solomon, what can I do for you? What would you do? What would you answer? Solomon says, I want wisdom and understanding. And so out of that wisdom and understanding, he wrote the entire book of Proverbs. So this is the context of the book of Proverbs. As he's writing the introduction to the book of Proverbs, which is found here in chapter 1, verse 1 to 7, he's giving us context on everything we're about to read. And he's also giving us context in how he came about this knowledge. It is through the fear of God. He also gave us that, he's also saying that in all this wisdom that you will read, you will find courage to confront your fears. And in all of this wisdom, you will find comfort. And again, all of it is hinged upon the fear of God. Let's go on. The prowess of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, 
to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. Wow, sounds like a law student. To give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a problem and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's go back. I'll give you the context one more time. He's saying, look, you're about to read wisdom and instruction. You're about to perceive words of understanding that I've gotten from God Himself. And when you read this, you will receive instruction for whatever wisdom you need to confront every fear. Whatever justice issue you face, you will find wisdom here again to confront every fear. You need to make wise judgment. Don't read up on law, read up on Proverbs. You want equity because it's not just giving wisdom, it's giving wisdom enough to rule a nation. To give prudence to the simple. But again, this is the context. This wisdom I'm about to drop on you is enough to cause there to be prosperity for you if you are king or prime minister to rule and reign in the nation of your choice. But secondly, all this wisdom would also be able to make you eloquent and accessible and reach not just the minds of the clever, but to also give prudence to the simple. That means this wisdom is so good that it benefits everyone. The simple-minded, the young man will find knowledge and discretion. Even wise men will hear and read from Proverbs. And if you read from Proverbs and dispense to your lives, the wise men in your life will hear from your speech. And they too, after hearing, will increase in learning. A man of understanding, let's go back uh, verse 5 again. And a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. So if you really think that you're a wise person, you will get more counsel. Verse 6. And you will even understand proverbs and enigma and riddles. Many times in life, we're trying to figure out life. Trying to figure out the puzzles, the questions of life. Solomon is saying that if, if, if you want to figure out the questions of life, the puzzles of life, all you need to do is focus on verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. I'm going to give you all knowledge and knowledge and knowledge. But I want you to understand, the beginning, the, the, the ability to allow you to receive this knowledge starts with the fear of the Lord. And, and, and this is so important for us because, you know, this... I pray will give you comfort because no matter what you're studying, no matter what you're facing, now in the future, whether you're going to be a prime minister, businessman, CEO, you're going to raise kids, you're still a home mom, you're going to be a, a missionary, a pastor, all wisdom comes from God. All wisdom will be provided by God. What do you need to do? Sign up for Cambridge, sign up for Oxford, sign up for seminary? No, fear the Lord. And you will have contacts, you will have the courage you need, and you will have comfort that you will never run out of wisdom. A lot of us, we think that, you know, church is just, you no, know, it's a nice thing and eventually you will outgrow it. It pains me sometimes when people come and they, they say, oh, pastor, it's okay, but you know, pastor, you don't understand. Now I have my own business. Now that I'm a mom, you know, it's not so simple. A lot of people look at the Word of God thinking that it's just, it, it was good for me when I was still single. It was good for me when I was still young. It was good, no, it's good for you all the days of your life. We need to understand that if you seek God, if you fear Him, you'll never run out of wisdom. You can never outgrow God. You just need to grow in your fear for Him. Amen? I pray that we will be a church, we will be a people that don't just love God, but fear Him as well. And out of that fear, attain 
all the wisdom we need, out of the fear, overcome all the problems we need, and out of the fear, grow in our love for Him. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for today. And Lord, we just want to give you thanks, God. We just want to say again, thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you've done for us. We take nothing for granted. God, it is you. It's always been you. God, we thank you that we get to enjoy so much freedom in Jesus. We, we thank you we get to enjoy so much healing in Jesus. So much access to you through Jesus. But Lord, help us to never forget that we are also talking to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the author and the finisher. Help us not to only approach you with respect, but also help us to listen and take your word for the solid truth that it is. We're not just speaking to the suggester of truth. We are speaking to the truth. We're not just speaking to an option. We're speaking to the author and the finisher. He's the one who starts and he's the one that's, that finishes. And you are not finished until he says you are finished. That's who you're talking to. That's who you're praying to. And every promise of God, that, that's, that's who it's written by. So let's not take any promise for granted. Let's not downplay the power in the Word of God. But I pray, Lord, that you also help us, Lord, to overcome every fear. Help us, Lord, to be more afraid of you than anything else in the world. Many times, God, forgive us because we are afraid of every other thing except you. Lord, help us to flip it and respect and revere and, and honour you above every other thing. And God, may we give in to the fear of God so that we can find comfort in you. Because God, you promise life and life to the full for all those who fear you. You promise a future for all those who fear you. You promise mercy for all those who fear you. You promise protection for all those who fear you. You promise provision for all those who fear you. Oh Lord, teach us to fear you. Help us to love fearing you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.